This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we do have Viking Air COO Don Boytson sharing the work of Canadians with Viking Air and the impact of all of their aircraft, their new aircraft, and more water bombers, which is good news for everybody who has been dealing with wildfires and everything that goes on with that. On What the Hell Should We Watch this weekend with Steve Stebbing, um, Adam Driver stars in the la- first film directed by the Sparks Brothers, and The Night House. Uh, the Night House is one of Steve's favorite movies of the year, plus Paw Patrol. It's a movie now. He thinks you're going to love it. Nep, the Donald Trump impersonator, the best one we could find, introducing Canada's federal party leaders to the 47th president of the United States, which is Nep, the impersonator. We get his reaction. Some comedic insight here on The Shift about the federal election. Well, thank you very much for listening to The Shift. We have a very special guest who is stepping in to our conversation here um, and help us understand what is going on with the election. And in order to, uh, in order for us to be able to, uh, to do this, uh, we, we've got to make some connections through some high security phone lines. Let's get started. Um, I think it would be only appropriate if we got a little bit of music to welcome our guests. Can we do that? I think that would be all right. <laughs> All right, joining us here on The Shift is the 47th President of the United States, uh, (laughs) Donald J. Trump, to have conversations and help us understand some of the things that are going on in the election. Uh, Mr. Trump, how are you? Hello, Shane. I'm doing rather fantastic. How are you doing? I'm I'm quite wonderful. Thank you very much. I'm assuming uh, you are on our Zoom call with us, Mr. Trump that you um you're not actually in the oval office are you using a backdrop or have you just had a new version of the oval office just built for you in mar-a-lago well in mar-a-lago you know i got you know when i was in the white house i got so used to the oval office and i said uh can somebody build me a replica you know a replica and that's exactly what they did and they they built me a replica of the oval office and i've been living in it ever since do you sleep in there too, sir? I sure do. Sometimes, you know, I'll sleep on the desk, under the desk, maybe even on the couch, or even the rug. That's <laughs> very good. Well, thank you for spending time with us. I know that your time is very valuable as uh, you, you know, are busy businessing and politickering and all of those things that you get up to. Can you maybe give us uh, one little piece of your of your day today? What did that look like and, and, and what was your favorite part of uh, uh, Mr. Trump's day. You know, Shane, I woke up, you know, very late in the afternoon. I, uh, you know, it's been a tough time since the election and I woke up around, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. And frankly, I had somebody make me pancakes and I ate those and those were terrific. Really, they were terrific. And then I tuned in to Fox news, Fox news. And, you know, I was hearing a lot about what's going on in the world around me, and frankly, it made me want to be president yet again. Well, we know that you are very experienced in politics, obviously successful uh, with the run for the 45th president. Uh, you yourself do say that you are the president. Some days you say that you still are the, the president. So, uh, you know, that's cool, I guess, whatever. But the most valuable thing you can do for us is going to be 
to allow for your insight to help us understand the Canadian election because you are, you know, experienced with this. So can we take an opportunity to introduce some of Canada's federal leaders to you, for example? Would that be okay? I need your help. You know, I'd love that. I'd love to give you some insight. Okay, cool. Uh, This is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking about inflation and monetary policy. You mentioned the Bank of Canada's mandate. Uh, That mandate is actually expiring um, at the end of this year. Uh, If re-elected, it's probably the the review or the extension of the mandate is probably the most the first big economic policy decision you'd make um, after the election. There's some talk of allowing the Bank of Canada to uh, to make some tweaks to the mandate to give it a little bit more flexibility to tolerate higher inflation, so it could, you know, help stimulate uh, the economy a little bit more um, in this in in this very difficult time. Do you have a position on the mandate? Do you would you support a, a slightly higher tolerance for inflation? I don't know. When I think about the biggest, most important economic policy this government, if re-elected, would move forward, you'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. So uh, tell me, uh, the Prime Minister of Canada doesn't like to think about money and monetary policy. Mr. Trump, help me understand what that looks like. You know, Shane, I always thought that was uh, his number one problem. He never really cared about the economy. And, you know, you're talking to someone who cares a lot about the economy, frankly, the American economy, the strongest anybody's ever seen. And I mean, Trudeau, he's you know, he doesn't he doesn't care. Frankly, he doesn't care. And you can see it. You can really see it through his policy, through his speaking clearly. Well, there's another party leader. He's the Conservative Party leader here in Canada, Aaron O'Toole. Uh, maybe you know him. I don't know. Some choice words for the other leaders. A little uh, competition going on here. Let's listen to the clip and then get your thoughts. The Liberals, the NDP and Bloc Québécois signed a pact to govern Canada as a coalition. Today, with the addition of the Greens, that is precisely what we have. There isn't a choice between the Liberals, the NDP, the Greens, and the Bloc Québécois. They're all the same, and they're all part of the problem. For years, the NDP, Greens, and the Bloc have helped Justin Trudeau cover up his scandals. None of them have a plan to get Canada out of debt. They love spending your hard-earned money just as much as Mr. Trudeau does. So some real smack talk, dirty pool there from the Conservative leader, uh, help us understand is does this stuff work when he's so mean like that? You know, I think there's one person I can compare that to, and that's me. You know, that's me. I got up there during the primaries with little Jeb Bush. You know, frankly, he was very weak. And same with line Ted Cruz. I mean, I smacked them all around. You know, they bumped heads. And I thought, you know, I thought that was a great strategy. So I think, you know, this uh, Aaron Tool, what's it? O'Toole, Tool, whatever it is. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. But you know, I think that's a good way of doing things, you know, coming for the throat. Well, okay. Well, you've had some experience with this next topic here, uh, Mr. Trump, 47th president of the United States, that um, hecklers, because I know you've experienced some of them at your rallies and such. We have more than two parties uh, here in Canada. We have a party called the NDP. The guy leading that one, his name's Jagmeet Singh. And most people in Canada quite like him as a dude. He seems like a nice dude. They might not agree with his politics and such, but here he is trying to ignore a heckler while he was launching his campaign. Incredible, and I'm really excited about it. Claire, thanks for that intro. And so, uh, folks, we might give a quick set. No, it's okay. It's just some trolls. It's all good. Uh, friends, I want to I want to let you know what we're here today to talk about. 
Uh, we have seen really clearly in this pandemic that the Liberals have made a clear choice. They are clawing back the support that people need in the CRB. So that's got to be hard to do. I mean, you have experience with this, Mr. Trump. Um, how do you deal with hecklers at your rallies and stuff like that? You know, Shane, if that were me, I would have told that guy to get the hell out of here. And I would have had security come and remove him from the premises. I mean, this guy, he did nothing. And frankly, he was probably thinking about his terrible, terrible TikTok account the entire time. I mean, really, if you've seen it, I mean, it's the worst thing anybody's ever seen for that matter. Do you find that social media works in these days? I mean, I don't want to bring it up sensitive issue because I'm sure you miss Twitter. Um, are you OK with all that? Well, you know, it uh, it worked very well until it didn't. And they got rid of me on every platform, really. I mean, I can't even go on anything, really. I thought I might get banned from Google, even, you know, from the search bar. <laughs> uh, this is the uh, 47th president of the United States, uh, Tonald J. Trump, here on The Shift. All right, Tonald. We've got this other leader. He's from one area of Canada only. I'm wondering if you can pronounce his name. His name is Yves-Francois Blanchette. And um, here's, a, here's a clip of him giving a very political response to something. Give it a listen, and then I'm going to get you to, to help me understand if, if, you can, if you can do his name and, 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 and understand what he's saying here. I would not dare tell the liberals what to do with their leader after the election. It belongs to them entirely. But I will say that every, each and every leader of a political party that goes into an election has to know, accept, and clearly state the fact that his or her future is linked to the results of this election. Now, while it does sound like he did that in the shower, I think it was just raining outside. Uh, so what do you think of him? Does he sound like a real leader to you? You know, when I think of, uh, what's his name, you know, Vez Francis Blanchetti, whatever it is, you know, I think I think he could have probably had a better background noise. I mean, that was terrible, really. I thought maybe he was running the water. And I think, you know, I don't know. He didn't really sound like a leader to me, Shane. He didn't sound like me, you know. So you, you have heard all of the leaders here in Canada helping us understand the uh, political correspondence. I know that you cherish your time golfing. Uh, Mr. President, I know that that matters to you. Of these people you've heard today, do you find anybody there could be a good golfing partner? You know, I think, you know, you look at all those people and I think they might make, you know, a great a great golfer, you know. I thought maybe Justin Trudeau could carry around my clubs for me and possibly I'd go golfing with that Aaron Tool, whatever his name is, you know, I think. He could uh, do pretty good on the greens out there. I think he'd do a tremendous job, really. Now, are you? Are you? I know you've gone after uh, the prime minister a little bit here. Are you still upset about the fact that your wife Melania was was kind of giving them the eyes there a couple of times at a couple of you know those events? She was. She seemed pretty sweet on him. Look, the news, the fake news that you know that's what I call them, the fake news. They created a whole entire thing about that. I talked to her when we got home that night, and she said she never did a damn thing, a darn thing. And frankly, you know, I think that was a fake news. And I do hold that against Trudeau because I think that was a lot of his fault, really.
Uh, clearly, um, absolutely. Well, thank you for spending some time with us here on The Shift and giving us the political insight. I'm wondering if you could just answer one last question for me because you, uh, better than anybody, can let us know what it's like to be a leader. What does it take to be a leader? You've proven it in your world. So what do we as Canadians need to look for in when we choose our leader? You know, Shane, you need to look for someone who's very strong, very mentally and physically, spiritually strong, and someone who loves their country very, very much. And I'm not sure that any of the candidates are showing that passion, that love, that extreme patriotism that we have here in America. I think I think that's very important when you're looking for a leader. Now, you are a lot older than all of these candidates, sir. Um do you think you could take him down at your age versus the oldest candidate we have in Canada is 56? Age really doesn't mean much to me. I could be 87. I'd take them all down. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. I think, I think really they would be torn apart, torn to shreds. I mean, I'd come in there with a fire and fury. I tell you, Shane, a fire and fury and I'd tear them apart. I'd tear them apart any age. That sounds fantastic. Well, not tearing them apart. I just mean what leadership looks like. Uh, thank you very much. Tonal J. Drump, 47th president of the United States. I think we need to escort uh, the president out with the music again there, Brennan. Just, you know, proper respect um, from the duplicate of the Oval Office. Um, it's a thing of beauty. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you. <laughs> This is The Shift Podcast. Here on The Shift, we've spoken many times about wildfires. We've spoken many times about Canadian businesses. Water bombers is a thing that comes up. It's, it's an old term now, the water bomber, isn't it? I mean, that's not really what it is. In today's world, it's very targeted. It's very technology-driven. We often look to the government, though. I mean, isn't that the truth as Canadians? We sit back and we go, okay, government, come save us. Well, I'll tell you what, there are entrepreneurs, there are businesses, communities that are growing this sector. We talk to all kinds of different business owners. The reality is, is if it weren't for these entrepreneurs and if it weren't for all these people working hard, we wouldn't have our butts covered in a lot of ways when it comes to fighting forest fires. Now, it's kind of a double-pronged conversation here that I wanted to have on the shift. It comes because of forest fires. It comes because of the water bombers. But at the same time, it's just a good story of Canadian entrepreneurship, really. Uh, Don, is it Boydson? How do you pronounce your last name, Don? I wanted to make sure that uh, I, I don't get it wrong. Correct, Don Boydson. Because you never know with the O and the I. Like It could be le, yeah. like a, a Francais with a Bois. You never know. Okay, so Don uh, Don Boydson is COO of Viking Air. What is Viking Air? Well, I'm Don will correct me and uh, probably be more poetic in this statement. But Viking Air uh, builds, maintains, and uh, provides all kinds of different aircraft. In particular, the reason why we got inspired to invite them on, water bombers. Uh, Victoria, Sydney, Calgary, Springbank, and it's cool. That's it. So how do you, uh, how do we talk about Viking air? Because you guys kind of do a, a, it's focused, but it's broad. Right. Absolutely. And, and thanks Shane. And thanks for having me on uh, today. And yes, you know, as 
chief operating officer for the entire aviation group of companies. So that covers um, our entire operations, uh, including Viking and, and the Havilland Canada. So, you know, what's core for us? We've really got five areas, but first and foremost, it's customer support. You may have heard of the iconic line of aircraft, but Chipmunk, Beaver, Otter, Twin Otter, Caribou, Buffalo, and of course the Dash 7 and the regional Dash 8 aircraft. Yep. Those are all the legacy to have on Canada aircraft that we look after. And then there's the CL series, the Canada Air 215, 415 series. Some call them water bombers. We prefer to call them aerial firefighters and you know the great work that they do. So first and foremost, we support the entire fleet of that aircraft globally that's out there. We've also wow. acquired some shorts, uh, 330, 330, 360 series. So that's, you know, we support the aftermarket. We build new aircraft, the Twin Otter, uh, the Dash 8, and soon to be, uh, when we'll get into a little detail here, soon to be, we hope, additional uh, aerial firefighters as well. We also train people, um, you know, the pilots and the maintenance crew. So, you know, that's the core areas of our, our business is uh, supporting the aircraft, building them, training them, modifying them, making the parts. It must be incredibly exciting. I mean, Don, do you ever go to work and just sort of look at all those airplanes and six-year-old Don just goes, whoa, this is cool? Oh, it's, it's very exciting. And I've been in the aerospace industry for 30 plus years. And I will say this, you know, Canadian companies punch above their weight. We're a very uh, proud Canadian company. But yeah, you know what, whether it's take your kids to work day when we have uh, students coming through, you know, sponsoring some of the um uh, junior high and high school students right up to regional uh, community or community colleges and universities. No matter what age, it's fascinating to be in this industry. And, and we're very proud uh, as a Canadian company to be uh, supporting it globally. Do you find that some of these, because you said the Buffalo and uh, anybody who's watched the documentaries or the shows, right, about the Buffalo, some of those legacy aircraft have some amazing stories. Do you find that a lot of those stories are getting shared more now than they were before making some of those old dinosaur planes that are just workhorses that still keep going, making it cooler today and easier for access? I don't know if the point about sharing more, certainly I think, yes, you know, with media as, as we've all seen over the last number of years, how easy it is becoming to share stories, but it just proves the, the depth of these iconic aircraft and, and the touch that they've had globally. When you see some of these stories, literally in seven continents, these aircraft are, are working, have been delivered and continue to work and operate in all types of, not only for environments, but for different missions as well, humanitarian, uh, health and safety, uh, medevac. So it's very proud and we should be proud as Canadians to be having, to be seeing some of those stories being shared indeed. Well, and I, I just imagine anybody's workplace, right? We have people that are getting up early to go to work. We have executives who listen to the shift. Uh, we have, you know, managers who listen to the shift that are going into prep for their staff. We have delivery drivers and truckers. And everybody has one thing in common in all of this is they have their experience of work. So when you look at stories about Twin Otters and, and some of the places they've gone, what's that like at work? I'm curious because because when you come back to work that day and everyone's sitting around the water cooler, it's not like everyone's going, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, you know, how was the how was the Vancouver Canucks last night? It wasn't just that. I mean, by the way, our planes went here today and changed the world. 
Yeah, when I say it's very cool, but first and foremost, right, it's all about safety, the aviation industry. So we're very proud that when we, when some of these missions are shared and and we talk about a reminisce, as you say, around the water cooler about what, you know, what happened yesterday or last week, that's core for what we do. Our customer service and support for supporting that fleet uh, is what part of our, a big part of our mission. And, and certainly now with you know, the firefighting season coming up, you know, you talk about having to have 24 hours support in, in what's happening around there globally as well. So you look at all the legacy aircraft, you look at this CL series, the Canadair uh, 215, 415, and soon to be 515 series, uh, you know, keeping those active and, and, and supporting those fleet is, is key. So tell, tell me about that, because the CL series, older planes being converted, new planes being built. Do I understand that right? Those are the water bombers. Correct. Those are the aerial firefighters. So, you know, brief history, that um, aircraft, there was almost 200 built. So they first rolled off the production line in the early 70s. And at the 215 version, which was a uh, piston engine powered version, in the mid 90s, they got uh, turbine engines put on them. They were relabeled to 415. So it's 215, 415. And some enhancements also. So the early ones carried 5,000 liters of water. Uh, 415s carried 6,000 liters. Uh, but they were put out of production by Bombardier in 2015. Basically, the line ran, uh, line ran dry. And that's when our company purchased them, right? Very proud ownership here, Canadian. Purchased them in October 2016 and continued to support that global fleet. So there's over 165 of those aircraft still flying uh, globally. And that's our, you know, number one mission to keep them flying. But also we do see uh, a demand coming back now for new aircraft. So that's why we've been engaged recently. We're excited about some of the, uh, excited and encouraged by some of the engagements we've been having. But our intent is to restart the production line um, with a new variant called the 515. So it'll be uh, some slight enhancements to it. Again, a you know, a different newer cockpit upgraded, uh, turbine engines again, and looking to upgrade as an option up to 7,000 liters of, of water. So these aircraft really do uh, get get to the uh, fire quick, fast, and with local with uh, water support close by. You don't need to, you don't need an airport or infrastructure to do that. Yeah, small enough to get into some of the smaller lakes to get water, uh, or do they land at the airport only for refill? Plus, these are flying boats for the most part. Um, you know, this particular line, they look like that flying boat scenario. So nimble enough, but big enough to have an impact. So, um, one thing I truly don't know, Don is, um, where do you build these? Well, right now we have a, a site in Calgary that's doing that, uh, transformation of the, we're upgrading them. Uh, but we have, you know, we've got operations across Canada and this supply chain will be, you know, once we get going, this will be hundreds of jobs across Canada at uh, certainly at, at our sites, but also in the supply chain as well. You ever want to just take one for a spin? <laughs> I, I was going to say yes. So I'm an engineer by trade, not a pilot, oh. you know, lots of pilots, but yes, it, uh, you know, uh, I hope to get up one. I'll say in, in one, one day as a, as a, passenger yeah but it's just to see them you know flying and the work they're doing is uh is is iconic and unique so how much work is there in canada with fires i'm not asking you to be political by the way um answer at your own um at your own accord but how much work is there in canada for these boats because i do know that many companies are actually working outside canada 
Well, no, there's, you know, there's almost uh, 50 of these aircraft across Canada right now. And uh, we've all seen, you know, the media with the fires across Canada. It's, you know, tragic <clears throat> situation that we all want to protect property, lives and, and everything else associated with it. So there's been some terrible events. Uh, we certainly, though, are in, in discussions uh, with federal and provincial governments. And we certainly see a need in Canada of at least in the neighborhood of 12 to 18 more aircraft. But, you know, we'll see over over the coming period of time um, to support that activity for what we need here in Canada to keep uh, to keep our country as safe as we can. If I know aviation people the way I think I know aviation people, you've been in this world a long time. Every fan of aviation has one model of an aircraft that they think is the coolest that is either on their desk or they want to get. And so I'm going to go through this list here of the Viking aircraft just for you. Uh, I know you know this list, but the audience doesn't all know them. You got Skyvan, um, you've got the Sherpa, you've got Dash 7, you've got the CL Series, Twin Otter, Buffalo Caribou Otter, Turbo Beaver, the Beaver and the Chipmunk. Which one's the which one's your favorite, Don? You gotta pick one. It's like your kids, I know that, but we all have a favorite kid and don't admit it. So what's uh what's the what's the best one? Oh, that's a that's a you know great question. But you've got to look at the iconic Beaver, right? When it opens up, you know the Canadian North and and everywhere that that aircraft is again across Canada, across the globe, and they've you know originally had the Beaver and then a Turbo Beaver. So I think uh, you know that's a very classic aircraft and and did a, and continues to do a lot of work, right? Servicing across the globe. So it truly is a a unique aircraft, and we're very proud of it. Very proud to keep supporting that aircraft. Uh, Viking is the company. Don is the COO. Water bombers and so much more. What do Canadians need to know, Don, that we don't know about the amount of work that these planes do? I mean, we understand, you know, we see big 737s as being the backbone of air travel. And I get that for vacations, but fundamentally, you can correct me if you disagree. That's cool. I don't see that as the backbone of aviation these big shiny aircraft they're not really doing the heavy lifting that we that we really need in our lives are they or am i crazy with that one well no i you know again different roles different aircraft the the 415 and soon to be 515 series this series of aircraft was the only purpose built so you talk about canadian innovation this aircraft was designed and built for aerial firefighting so there's no other aircraft in the world like that and it was made to come in. It can scoop 6,000 liters of water in under 15 seconds. So, again, it doesn't. It was designed and built so you don't need a airport infrastructure. Does not need to land and refill. It can uh, fly low, scoop out the water 6,000 liters in 15 seconds. Go to the nearest or you know a fire close by, drop it, and circle back up to 18 times in one hour. Like the, the numbers are amazing on this aircraft when you talk about its role. And that is anywhere from three to 10 times more efficient or effective than, than any other aircraft that's out there. So that's why it's, uh, it's very popular for this use. And that's why, you know, it's a sign of Canadian innovation at its best. The second part I want to get at is it's been flying for over 50 plus years. Yeah. So when you look at it again and, and to restart it, so, if, you know, that just shows you how, how uh, effective it is. I think of Beaver uh, Twin Otter, uh, and all those, and then you look at even at the dash seven, the impact of the dash seven, um, and all those, 
And then you, you think back to the Canadian legacy stories way, way back, like Avro. And when you look at what Canada has done in and around aviation, I can't help but feel like it's misunderstood, that we, we don't understand the magnitude of it. Well, you know, it's good. I just want to add, too, that we also have the Dash 8 under our umbrella. Right. So, the, you know, the region of turboprops. So when you, you, They're you know, everywhere. The Havilland, Canada, right? That's a 70 to 90 seed region of turboprops. So when, when you say it's not understood, here's the thing, right? The Canadian market itself is relatively small on the aviation field. So most Canadian companies, you know, like ourselves, aviation companies, aerospace companies, we're 80%, 90% export. So, you know, it's sometimes, excuse the pun, you know, flies under the radar in Canada, but we <laughs> do punch above our weight. We do punch above our weight in terms of the people that we employ, the innovation in our aircraft. And we're very proud of that. Like, you know, again, I'm an engineer, you know, background myself, but the number of engineers, technicians, uh, purchasing, uh, you know, um, accountants, you know, all, all areas are, are important in, in making this business thrive. And, and the part, the fact that most of the aircraft and, and systems are, our export is a great sign for Canadian exporters. We're a trading nation, right? And uh, so I think it's a very proud story for Canada to have a very uh, healthy, large a- aerospace sector. Well, I'm taking on the Dash 8, the beast that it has become is uh, is amazing too. I mean, well, you you can't fly in Canada to most cities unless you get on a Dash 8. That's safe mm-hmm. to say, right? So what does that say? Yeah, I love it. Well, we love the story and Good luck with the um, with the the new aircraft too. I look forward to seeing some uh, secret top secret photos. I in my mind, you know, when you see the cars and they wrap them with those crazy shapes, so you can't quite tell with photos what they are. Like I imagine that's what you. I realize that's not what you're doing, but I imagine that's that's what it looks like. So um, as as we learn more, please share it with us. No, thank you, Shane. Like I said, when when we look forward to relaunching this uh, new aircraft production and, and have the hundreds of jobs uh, right across Canada. It's a very proud moment for us as a company and, and Canadians. And I know they are proud of this aircraft as we employees are of, uh, of this aircraft and the work that it does day in and day out. Well, one thing I, I did want to leave with for the audience was COVID has challenged many of our career choices in general. A lot of us have looked at our jobs and gone, is this really what I want to do? So for anybody who is in that place where they're saying, uh, you know, I'm not sure that I want to do this anymore. Aviation is one of those places where you can get in at any age, depending on the job. What do you say for people that have always thought maybe, you know, this aviation world is is something I would be interested in. Uh, I'm going to relook at my career. What, what do you see in general? Well, in general, again, I, I see it as a great career. I've been involved, as I mentioned earlier, with, with uh junior high, high schools, uh, community colleges and universities and promoting the great careers you can have in the aerospace sector. And I continue to promote that because it is, it's, it's challenging, it's rewarding and it's long-term as well. You know, the, the fact that these aircraft fly for 20, 30, 40, 50 years uh, and, you know, we have to maintain them, we have to keep building parts, but we also have to keep innovating for, for those older airplanes and the new ones. So it's a very rewarding uh, and challenging job. And I encourage people to, you know, check it out in their post-secondary education, different career paths. We we welcome uh, any new employees and, and with that enthusiasm and vigor. 
Very cool. So vikingair.com is a great place to go to get more if you want to learn about all of these planes or just frankly look at the really cool pretty pictures because who doesn't love looking at photos of airplanes, right? Uh, you can check it out. Don Boytson is COO of Viking Air. Don, thanks for sharing your time with us. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Shane. Take care. It's the Shift Podcast. Steve Stebbing is here. All right, Steve. Yes. Um, we have a couple of things coming up. First of all, the Shift AV Club, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I think we're going to have debate about this movie, uh, The Green Lantern, coming uh, up, whether it is as terrible as Ryan said or not, but you are the expert. We'll give you that space. <laughs> and we'll get to that shortly. I know you have things you want to share. First, though, yes. we've got to get into all of the things with what the hell should we watch this weekend, stevestebbing.ca. Let's dive right into it, brother. Uh, the first one is Annette. First time I fell in love, woke up next to the girl, and escaped fast and far. The man has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. What she sees in me is... Hmm, it's a little more puzzling. <laughs> okay. Um yes. that's weird. Yeah, this is weird and this is going to be one off the beaten path. It's now available at, on Amazon Prime and this is part of a huge year for the pop duo Sparks uh who just got the documentary done by uh, uh Edgar Wright just a couple of months ago and now uh they're releasing their first film. This is like a passion project that they've been uh, putting together for a long time and uh through many pitfalls they finally get their own film and honestly this is like a cinematic version of almost like an uh, uh an opera drama it is very much a musical everybody talks sings in this movie uh but essentially it's about a comedian played by adam driver who falls in love with an opera singer uh, played by marianne cotillard and uh, together they have a baby, and that is Annette, who is this uh, miracle child, they call her. Uh, but how she looks in the film, she almost looks like a marionette, but they never address this. And this is kind of like part of uh, what, like how she's a miracle and everything. But, of course, uh, jealousy uh, and and oppression and, and a lot of... Uh, uh, relationship of uh, volatility uh, ensued uh, due to this child and, and the child's talents and everything. And it's a fascinating and beautiful film to watch, uh, but you kind of got to know what you're getting into because it is definitely a weird film. It just seems like the way you described it and the way you sounded, the way it sounded, they're two completely different movies. Then you throw in this sort of artsy marionette scenario. It starts mm-hmm. with a love affair, kind of sounds like an episode of Dexter by the end. And <laughs> you would never know that there was a, right? Am I weird in that? Or is that? It's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of elements at play in this one. There's a lot of modern elements, even like almost like a Me Too angle at, at one point in it. Uh, because, I mean, Adam Driver kind of plays this uh stand-up comedian who's very subversive and very uh offensive and driven by being offensive uh in in his comedy uh and it leads to uh, a lot of reveal in his character and everything but yeah i mean sparks they they're they were playing with a lot of weird uh weird elements in this one and it made a weird film so there's going to be 
there's definitely going to be a dividing line in the audience on this one. All right. Uh, totally not in the same group as that one. Our next movie is Paw Patrol, the movie. This summer, another perfect rescue. The worldwide phenomenon oh, oh! will be unleashed on the big screen. What's your emergency? My name is Liberty. We need your help. Humdinger, he's going to destroy Adventure City. <laughs> Come on, pups. Adventure City's in trouble. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I mean, it could be as weird if you uh, like to participate in psychedelics, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I mean, if you've had little kids in the last eight years, um, you know Paw Patrol very well. This is on Netflix, and the kids probably watched each season of it eight or nine times back to front. Uh, but now they get their own uh, big screen movie uh, through Paramount. Uh, they have been, uh, the animation has been upped for this movie. They're a, a lot more textured than they appear uh, in the uh, in the regular show. Uh, and they got some uh, c- kind of big stars in it. Kim Kardashian West is in this movie as a, as a side character. Uh, Dak Shepard, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, and, I mean, it is exactly what you expect of it. It's just kind of like a big expanded episode on the big screen, although they do play a few jokes for the parents. Um, but, yeah, this is like 85% for the kids. I get that Dak Shepard seems to be like an incredibly intelligent human being in real life. Mm-hmm. I just can't seem to get past the fact that I think he should be Spicoli or a stoner in every movie. <laughs> you need to, uh, I mean, his podcast, Armchair Expert, is phenomenal. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's a weekly listen for me. Uh, and, I, I mean, it's all about the guy just trying to kind of expand his mind while talking to people that interest him, uh, including experts uh, that he has on every now and then and, like, comedians and actors and everything. It's a fascinating show. Uh, and, I mean, really, at its heart, it's all about self-improvement. So I, I just kind of have a man crush on the dude. Well, and I, he is so smart, and he openly goes through that journey in front of mm-hmm. everybody. When, when yeah. they've done interviews and stuff, uh, in his past, he's open where he simply says, uh, you know, because he's is he still married to Kristen Bell? He must be, right? He that is. His wife, he is. Yeah. yeah. They've been married for a and long he openly, time. Yeah. yeah. And he openly says, like, you know, this is a journey we're learning as we go. So who knows how it works out? But we're working yeah. hard. Right. And yeah, it's absolutely. incredibly grounded. But when it comes to seeing him, I'm like, why is he not the stoner? <laughs> Which is so not the character. Who has. We got a text here, Steve. It says, when is season three of Outer Banks coming out? Um, are you familiar with the show? Yeah, well, yeah, I am actually. Season two literally came out two weeks ago, so yeah. you're not going to get any sort of announcement of a third season for, I mean, at least a few more months. So just uh, hang tight. Hang tight. What the hell should we watch this weekend? SteveStebbing.ca. If you want to follow along on the blog, this is the Nighthouse. <laughs> Everybody has secrets. It's our house. Went backwards. What the hell was he doing? Spooky. 
Mm-hmm. This one is really cool and uh, probably one of my favorites of the year. Uh, it's got Rebecca Hall. She plays a, a widow. Her husband uh, recently committed suicide at uh, in the lake at their lake house. And uh, she kind of heads back to the house that he built himself and uh, starts to uncover uh, secrets about her husband over the uh, the last few weeks before his his uh, suicide and kind of learning the truth behind that while this kind of malevolent presence in the house uh, kind of uh, haunts her at the same time. And uh, just such a well put together movie. It looks gorgeous. And uh, I just love how the movie tackled real issues like grief and 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 disbelief of the partner that you have kind of being something that uh that you really don't understand in the end and uh, i think it plays really well into this uh the horror genre and uh yeah rebecca hall's just amazing in this one it made me mad that they killed her in iron man 3 all over again Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen iron man 3 yeah, and not as mad as she probably was. <laughs> Way to make it all about you, Steve. <laughs> what the hell should we Always watch do. this weekend? Crypto Zoo with Steve Stebbing. The Crypto Zoo is a sanctuary, a place for all the unloved animals in the world. People think of us as imaginary beasts, but most mythological beings are simply extremely rare beings. Why would I get involved in the black market? For the money. These animals are strong weapons. I dedicated my life to keeping cryptids safe. All right, well, tell us about this one, because this one also sounds like it's got a little mystery to it. Well, it's funny that you brought up uh, Psychedelics before uh, Paw Patrol, because this is the movie for Psychedelics. Uh, This is an animated film uh, basically about a cryptozoologist uh, in a in a world where she is kind of going around the world with her uh, new protege to uh, gather cryptids from around the world, weird hybrid creatures, weird mythological beasts and everything to bring back to her zoo. And along the way, as they're grabbing all these different animals and stuff, she starts to... Uh, get into this existential quandary uh, that should they really be bringing these creatures to the zoo to exploit and make money off of and show off to the world, or should they be leaving them alone and more focusing on them in their own habitat and uh, and keeping them away from the world and away from that kind of uh, that, that prying industrialization of what these creatures could be. And it's, just like a really fascinating film, but at the same time being utterly confusing and just plain weird. All right, on Blu-ray, uh, let's move on to the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. In four days, all of you love will burn. They're planning a full-scale cyber attack. Do not screw this up. Oh, we are definitely going to screw this up. I promised my therapist no bodyguarding. Let's not do that, guys. Let's just focus. I got it. No, it's fine. You guys just, you guys have at it. Maybe feather the break a bit. So the Hitman's bodyguard, was that the first one? And then this is a, okay. So I didn't even know there was a second one. Yeah, this is the sequel. uh, Because the first one only came out uh, probably two or three years ago. Uh, And I mean, 
Yeah, I, I didn't mind the first movie. I don't mind the second one. I mean, let's build Ryan Reynolds up a little bit before we tear him the heck down in the next segment. Um, <sighs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm coming for you, Ryan. I'm coming for you. Um, no, it's 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 fun. I really enjoyed Ryan Reynolds, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and Selma Hayek as kind of like a comedic odd odd trio. Um, and I don't know, for the most part, this movie works. If you like Ryan Reynolds style, you will enjoy this. Uh, same goes for Salma and Samuel. If you like their shtick, you'll be into it. Uh, but I have to say that the ending note on this movie almost made the whole movie for me. It is, I, I was laughing through the credits at just how ridiculous the last, I mean, the last three lines are. It's just great. Okay, so there's no indication, according to online reports, that it's coming to streaming anytime soon. You can't pay for it and watch it on YouTube because it just came out. I just looked it up just to double check. You know, be thorough. Okay, also on Blu-ray with Steve Stebbing, The Waterman. No one knows where to find him. No one except me. The note I saw in this book says that he's immortal. I need to know more about it. Got any money? Yes, but I'm still going to need money to buy supplies. Supplies for what? I'm going to find the Waterman. Come into my office. I just want to know if the Waterman is real. But that forest is alive. Being in those woods all alone, no chance to escape. All right, tell us about the uh, <laughs> the Water Boy here. <laughs> the Waterman. I can tell you about the Water Boy, but that's a different movie. Uh, <laughs> the Waterman is uh, the director directorial debut of David O. Yellow, uh, who is uh, Martin Luther King in this in Selma, uh, and basically it's uh, a movie about a, a teen boy who. Uh, his mother is dying of cancer and he hears of a local legend in the new ta small town that he just moved in called the Waterman, who seems to who seemingly has powers to uh, restore life, bring uh, bring dead things back to life. So he heads into the forest uh, with a girl that says that she knows she knows where the Waterman is to find this uh, supposedly a mythological man. Uh, and uh, he heads into the forest at the same time as, of course, a giant wildfire is happening. So the uh, sends his father in after him, and they, of course, they have a little bit of a strained relationship. Uh, and I don't know. I think it's it's like a well done, uh, like kind of coming of age uh, adventure. Um, lost me a little bit in the third act, but um, I mean, it's a pretty solid debut for a yellow o. All right. And uh, the dad, it's always the dad. Okay. So on TV, true or false, Steve Stebbing, you love wrestling. I absolutely, that's an understatement. I absolutely love wrestling. Okay. Let's get this one really quickly for the clip of Heels. Jacob had the guts to wrestle with God. How about you? I find that anger is more useful than grief. That's my belt you wear. You want this belt? Come and get it. We could be heroes. We could be heroes. Okay, you got 15 seconds. Sorry, Steve. I know they have wrestling. Uh, yeah. Love on it. No, I mean, Arrows, Stephen ML is back in a new show. It's about indie wrestling in Georgia. Um, and, I, I mean, episode one was great. Uh, I can't say it's the best show of the year after only one episode, but I'm pretty psyched. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.